0: So want to play a, a quick game of, is it genuine or is it fake, right? How do you know if something's genuine or not the real deal? And I'll give you my, my first example. Um, when we go to the Dominican Republic on our mission trips that we've done five of them, you see Ray-Ban sunglasses everywhere. You're selling them, you know, street vendors at the beach, etc except for we ended up naming them Roy Bands because they're not the real deal. Now in my hand is a pair of real Ray-Ban glasses and you can't see it, but inside the, the little arm is how you can tell if a, a pair of Ray Bands is genuine or not. And they're trying to sell you $5 Roy Bands down in the Dominican Republic. I'm sure we got, a few of us got ripped off, but um, I got these from Target Optical, so I know I'm good there. But, um... <laughs> I, I would, did a, a, a little search to know how can you tell if a smile is genuine or not? You know this? So the way you can know if someone is genuinely smiling, there's three... Well, how about... Let me go backwards. Ungenuinely smiling is this. There's an absence of your eyes closing when you're ungenuinely smiling. If you're genuinely smiling you know, or laughing, your eyes are going to close to some degree. The other way you can tell if a smile is ungenuine is there's no crow's feet. You know, the little thing that happens that you hate as you get older, they stick around. if there's no crow's feet, then somebody's not genuinely smiling. When they're genuinely smiling, that, that happens. And then there's an absent, the when someone's genuinely smiling, they don't show their bottom teeth. So if you see bottom teeth, then someone's pushing that smile <laughs> through, right? Like kids in the back, back to school pictures, right? They're pushing a smile out or whatever. At the DMV, they tell you not to smile anymore. It's funny. You have to look like it's your mugshot or something, but um, not good. If you smile, they'll get on you too. DMV, TSA, DMV. Ooh, I don't know which one's a toss-up there. That's more brutal to go through. But I digress. Um, my favorite is this: genuine or fake? Look at this picture. Okay, genuine wrestling or fake wrestling? Genuine. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but Smackdown WWE is not real wrestling. It's not. I'm so sorry. The Easter Bunny's not real either. I'm so sorry. Oh, I better shut up. Um, what am I getting at in all of this? What What is the point of genuine or fake? Well, the letter of First John, John's first letter that we have written to the church. He was really trying to empower. The Church to understand what was genuine and what was not, because two things were happening to his audience that he wrote to um, there was they were being bombarded with persecution from from Rome about this new king and this new kingdom that they were talking about, and then number two, there were false teachers that were coming in behind the apostles, the apostles planted churches, started churches, taught the gospel, and then False teachers would come in behind them and try to take away from the nature of Jesus, who Jesus really was, which then takes away from the heart of the gospel. So how do we know what genuine Christianity looks like? That's an important question. What does genuine Christianity look like? If you think about it, there's three Strands of of Christianity from church history. You have the Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, and then you have the Protestants. If you're totally brand new to all this, Protestantism was birthed out of the Reformation in the late 1400s, where they began to protest the Catholic Church. That's the word Protestant has the word to protest. I'm not protesting anybody anymore. I'm following Jesus, so I, I don't. I don't love that word. But how do you know what's genuine, right? And even within uh, the Protestants, there's how many gazillion denominations that have been started. So who's genuine? And then there's there's cults that will tell you that they believe in Jesus, but it's a different Jesus. It's not the Jesus. He's not the Jesus of the New Testament as the apostles taught. That's important. So John, in this fourth chapter, he I think he gives... Three tests to know if it's genuine Christianity or not. Three tests based upon three questions. So we're going to put it to the test. Test number one is, am I following the real Jesus? Am I following the real Jesus? To have genuine Christianity, we have to have the real Jesus, right? And what I mean by that is, the apostles who walked with Jesus... They, they walked, were taught by him. They, they saw him die on a cross, uh, saw him after the resurrection. They saw him ascend to the Father. So apostolic, real Jesus. John was a firsthand witness to Jesus. John walked with him, ate with him, hugged him. I mean, he knew who Jesus was. And people were coming in behind his teaching and Paul's teaching and trying to, to paint a different picture about who, who Jesus was. which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So these guys, these false teachers were trying to say that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. They were called the Gnostics and the Gnostics couldn't bring this truth together that Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. And Jesus had all his being God has always existed, but what we're getting ready to celebrate at Christmas, he took on flesh and and he took on that second nature of, of being human. And so Jesus is fully God. He's fully human. And they were trying to recreate Jesus into only being God. And so they would say that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. They say he was basically like a hologram, right? And I was trying to remember, oh, okay, it came to me. Remember in Star Wars, Princess Leia, and she had the little hologram message that she sent. If you ever ever watched this movie called Star Wars, I don't know if you've heard of it. But a hologram is, 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 it's not real, it looks real. You know, Jesus was like this phantom is what the Gnostics taught. And John is correcting that and saying, if you don't say that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then you don't know him. You don't have the real Jesus. Got me to thinking. We have a tendency to create a Jesus in our own image or a Jesus to our own liking, right? Kind of like uh, Ricky Bobby. He wanted to pray to the eight-pound, seven-ounce baby Jesus. And when he was corrected that Jesus actually grew up to be a man, he said, well, I like to think of him as a baby. <laughs> well, I think we, do, do, we really try to do that, create him in, in our own image. I've got a couple pictures. That's buddy Jesus. You put him on your dashboard. Jesus is my co-pilot. We'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus is my homeboy. No. And this is my favorite, the Kevin Costner Jesus. (laughs) Like somebody, that that was so funny that somebody had to think that, They couldn't have Jesus be a Middle Eastern Jewish man from 2,000 years ago, but I got to make him look like Kevin Costner. I mean, that's right out of Field of Dreams. That's young Kevin Costner right there. That's funny to me. Following Jesus is always going, the real Jesus is always going to result in real change. We'll begin to become like him. This whole phenomenon with Kanye West Becoming a, a follower of Jesus has been kind of blowing me away. He's a baby Christian, but when you hear him talk, like he's moved from the decadence and the thing of things of what he—I don't—I couldn't name one Kanye song. Forgive me, anybody, but I, all I know is he's got a new album about about Jesus as King. The, in the First Corinthians says, no man can say Jesus is Lord. Except by the Spirit of God living within them, and mean it right. An authentic Jesus is Lord Jesus. So when we think of the real Jesus, he's got to be Lord Jesus. He's not my buddy, right? He's not our buddy, but he is the best friend we'll ever have. He's not uh, not my co-pilot. He gets to drive. You know, I'm, I'm in the back seat, <laughs> and he gets to drive and and give the guidance and the direction. I was also, I've been meditating on this a lot lately. How Christ-like is our image of God? When you think of God, how Christ-like is, is the image that we have of God? Because Jesus said that when you've seen him, you've seen God. You've seen the Father. You've seen what God is like. And so if our image of God isn't, Jesus, then we have a false image of God. We don't have the real Jesus. So make your image of what God is like as you see Jesus, the tender, loving, truthful, sacrificial servant Savior, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, but is humble, humble at heart, who loves us to the point that he gave his life for us. That's the image of God that we need to have. The second Test to know if our Christianity is genuine is, am I believing the right essentials? And by essentials, I mean the right essential teaching. The right essential teaching. Again, how do we know, like, who's right? How do we know which part of all of these streams of Christianity really has genuine to it, who has that right teaching. To say that you have it all right comes across pretty darn arrogant, right? If you, if for somebody to say they have the the be all end all and interpreting all of the Bible, that, that comes across arrogant. Here's what John says. You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. I I think the most important when you think of the essentials and what is essential to Christianity is what unites us all together. All followers of Jesus, past, present, and future. That is what is essential. The essentials guard us from false teaching. That's what he's saying here. The difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood is to know the real Jesus and to have essential truth understood in our lives and have that cement our faith and our lives together as close to the original as possible. I was thinking about Acts chapter 2. Our vision at Novation is to be a modern expression of the early church, how they lived life together, did community. They they gave themselves to the apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer and to fellowship, and the Lord added to their number daily. And so we want to be as close to what what did the apostles teach? What, What did they teach? And It's it's important that we distinguish between essential things and secondary things. All the denominations within Christianity have come from a secondary issue, never a primary issue. And I'm going to get to the primary issues here in a minute, but I'll give you a couple examples of secondary issues. Do you baptize babies? Um, How do you baptize? Do you sprinkle? Do you pour? Do you have to fully be dunked? I mean, we have our... Confident beliefs here at Novation, but these are still secondary issues that I'm not going to, to, you know, if I disagreed with somebody, not think that they weren't a brother or sister in Christ. How do you worship? Do you use musical instruments? I'm so thankful we use musical instruments at Novation because I like that. I, you know, I want to rock out a little bit on a, on a Sunday morning, hear some drums and guitar and sing to God from our hearts. But in another culture, That would be foreign music. So style of music, secondary issue. You get what I'm saying? How do you view the spiritual gifts? Um, uh, When is Jesus going to return? The end times. These are things that might be important, but they're not essential to believe as a follower of Jesus. So you can know what is essential to Christianity by this. I heard John Stott say this one time, and I've always, I think it's so true. He said, if you have two well-meaning Christians who both love Jesus, both believe that the Bible's God's word, and they have a disagreement over something in the Bible, it's a secondary issue. Because all true believers are going to agree over the essential truths of the Christian faith. What is that? Well, recently, the leadership at Novation got together and we we, we decided to to redo our, our statement of faith, our belief statement. And as we were praying about it, we realized that what unites all believers, past, present, and future, what protects us from truly false teaching is the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is, is the closest thing to the original statement of faith that, that we could come to. And TND, our Tuesday night discipleship, um, it's our podcast that comes out the first and second Tuesdays. And you listen to it, and there's an interaction page on Facebook. If you go to the app or to the, to the web page, you can see it. You can listen to the, to the podcast. And what we've been talking about on the podcast is the Apostles' Creed and just breaking it down section by section. The Apostles' Creed is not Scripture. It's a summary of what the apostles emphasized and taught. That's why it's important. It takes us back as close to the original as possible. Let's say the Apostles' Creed together, okay? And this is how, taking in, in mind that we took some liberty on some of the verbiage of the Apostles' Creed that maybe, maybe you grew up saying the Apostles' Creed and it was just kind of like, yeah, you're regurgitating it on a weekly basis and you didn't take time to sit and really think through the, the power of, And the unity that the Apostles' Creed gives us has a common vocabulary, a place to protect us from false teaching. And so we changed a couple of the words um, just to make it more contemporary, I guess, would be fair, right? Right, brother? I'm looking at you, Craig. (laughs) Thank you. All right, let's say this together. It's gonna be up on the screen. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Christ's holy church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's be careful not to make secondary things primary things. It's kind of like people have these little pet doctrines that they have. Have you ever been in somebody's house? You go through the front door and their little pet jumps on you right away. Our dog does that and I can't stand it. Sometimes people's pet doctrines, when you start talking to them, they've got to emphasize all these things. And do you believe the way they do about certain secondary things? And it's like, let's emphasize the essentials to be helpful to one another and to be helpful, spread the gospel throughout the world. We can talk about secondary things. We can debate. We can discuss and dialogue. Let's don't divide. And you know what? I think God has done something in our church that he gets all the praise for in not dividing over secondary issues. Like you guys have done a good job and let's keep up the good work. I I believe it brings him honor and glory when we walk in that kind of unity together. All right, the third test. So we have, do I have, am I following the real Jesus? Am I believing the right essentials? And am I living a radiant life? Had to have an R in there, right? It's preacher speaking. Makes you be able to remember three R's, those three R words. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the book of Hebrews tells us. He is the radiance of the glory of God. When we see him, we see God, and we see the, the radiance of God's love, the radiance of God's glory, the radiance of his goodness, the radiance of his peace, his truth, all that makes God God. For you and I, God wants us to live a radiant life. If we're genuinely following the real Jesus, we will live a life that is radiant. As imperfect as we are, we're pursuing to become like him in how we think, act, and speak so that we're becoming more loving, more peaceful. The fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those all mark Jesus's life. Jesus is the definition of love. He's, he's patient, he's kind, he's good, he's not rude. He doesn't keep record of wrongs. I mean, that's, that's a definition of who Jesus really is. And so the rest of this, these verses, John talks about what a radiant life looks like. He says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Forever, whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, God cannot, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Wow. There's a lot there. There's six sermons within that p- passage right there as well but when, when I read this, verse 12 really stood out. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his, his love is made complete in us. The invisibility of God has always created problems for people's faith. The fact that you, you, no one has seen God. You think about in, in the, the Old Testament, you know, where's your God to, to, to Israel? Where's your God? And God would show up and do these mighty acts and part the Red Sea and all kinds of things. But there was still a problem of, of seeing God. And then Jesus comes in in the New Testament and says, look, you want to see the face of God? Look at me. He is the face of God. He, his life exhibits exactly who, who God is. And that's, that's awesome. But we haven't seen Jesus. He ascended back to the Father. So what, how, does, how do we solve the invisibility of problem of, of God again? I mean, think about this. When Thomas doubted to, about Jesus being resurrected, he said, until I touch and handle him, I, I can't believe. And Jesus appears to him, he touches and handles him, and he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you believe because you've seen me and touched me, Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe. You know who that is? That's us. We're blessed. I believe that Jesus Christ is real. There's a historical event called the cross and the death and resurrection of Jesus that changed the world, that changed everything. And it's changed you and it's changing me. And we're going to live that blessed life that he's talking about. So I see from this the invisibility of God. God is made visible when we love one another. That's how God makes himself visible. God is love. Not love is God, but God is love. And so God lives in us. When we love one another, God is made visible. Somebody stands up and says, Wow, I want to know your God. I want to know your God. Because we've realized, right, especially in 1 John, that love is not a feeling, love is action. You don't have to feel something in order to do what's right, in order to care for somebody, to sacrifice. You don't even have to like somebody. You can love somebody you disagree with. Love makes God visible in our midst. Jesus made the invisible God visible. We make Jesus visible when we love one another, when we we love the people of this world too. Show love to people who who don't love you because that's what God does. So I want to ask you this morning, As kind of a way of bringing this genuine Christianity is, am I following the real Jesus? Am I believing the right essentials? Am I living a radiant life? And I'll say this, my life's not always radiant. And no one's is because we're imperfect, but he's perfect. But are we pursuing to live a more radiant life that draws people at, people's attention, not to us, but to him? That's a radiant life. I want people to see Christ in me and in us as a community. Because really, remember, these scriptures are written to a community, to the church. Is our lives being a demonstration of what the genuine is? Maybe ask yourself the question, where is God talking to you? What is he talking to you about today? What part of your life has he got his hand on that you need to give over to him and to release burdens, release anger, release fears and worries. Let the spirit of God do a work in you fresh and new today. feel like there's some of us in this room that have part of our your heart or part of your life has not been fully surrendered over to the Lord and he's saying, let me have it. Let me be the Lord of that area of your life. Every relationship, every concern, you'll be free. When you give it over to Him, freedom comes through surrender and humility before the one who loves us infinitely and perfectly. Lord, we pray this morning that we would be a people who live a truly radiant life because we're following the true, real Jesus. You, Lord Jesus, are the radiant one live through us. Lord, it's amazing how you use all our differences, our different temperaments and personalities and backgrounds. And yet you're living in and through us, expressing yourself through us. Let us be marked by that. Lord, if anyone in this room has never trusted in you as Savior and put their life into your hands, may this be the day. If you've never done that, just say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. Be my Savior. I want to follow you as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.